0: Find your value
1: on the next Dare to be Better with Ray and Sid. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do this. Okay. In three, two, welcome one and all to Dare to be Better.
0: With Sid.
1: That's your line. <laughs> it's been what, 13, 14, 15 weeks? That's okay. It's
0: fine.
1: That's fine. I just thought you might want to chime in at some point.
0: I know, because I never, I never chime in. I never really talk about anything. Right. It's like... You're just pulling teeth to get me to participate,
1: Sid. I I need you. Okay, I need you here. I need you to participate. I need you to weigh in and please opine. Okay. Okay, you need you need to. No,
0: don't mind me. <laughs> Do you just want me to talk.
1: <laughs> That's it. Okay. Just, just talk. Just just keep going. We'll let you know. Okay. When to stop? Okay. Sydney, um, of course, Sydney Hall, mm. from salt lake city i Utah. thought i was
0: hearing things from salt lake
1: oh there's yeah there's all sorts of things going on here in new york right now mm-hmm. it's it's crazy this time of year mm-hmm. but um how you doing
0: i'm great i've been stirring it up you know i have
1: you like to stir it up
0: mm-hmm. i love it i love it can i please tell you a story that i think i already told you but i just think it's hilarious
1: do you mind if she <clears> repeat the story Maybe some people are here for the first time, and maybe they haven't heard okay. the story. So, sure. Okay,
0: not? well, this story has nothing to do with anyone, anything.
1: Oh, well, you it's like those stories, too. Yeah.
0: So, because I was out in New York <laughs> by myself.
1: Oh, no. For just a little bit. Oh, God help us.
0: <clears throat> and I told you about this, but I I wish I had it on camera, because it really just lifted me. It made me feel good. And it, the men who did it didn't even know what a gift they were giving me, but... Should maybe they ever listened, which I don't think they were, because I don't think they can barely speak English. It's okay. I just wanted them to know it really meant a lot. So we were out getting pictures done. Mm-hmm. Remember?
1: We did a photo shoot.
0: Uh-huh. And you had to run inside. Right. <clears throat> while I you was were gone,
1: gone for two minutes. Oh, I know where this is going.
0: For two minutes. Oh, God. And m- our beautiful photographer loved her, said, Sydney, there's like There was literally like eight or ten taxis lined up on the freeway. I mean, not the freeway, on the 7th road. 7th Avenue, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Thank you. Okay. Mm-hmm. Lined up on the road. She's like, I'm just going to take you. I was on the sidewalk. She goes, just stand in front of the taxis. I'm just going to take pictures of you in front of the taxis. So I go, okay. So I'm standing there. And this is where it just it was so kind of them. <laughs> All of a sudden you hear like three wrecks <laughs> okay
1: this, so this is true
0: <laughs> so all of a sudden the first taxi driver gets out and he starts yelling at the second taxi driver what the crap are you doing but he said a few words
1: yeah it wasn't yeah
0: what the crap are you doing dude you gotta pay attention pay attention pay attention to what you're doing so the second taxi driver gets out of his car and he's yelling back Don't yell at me. They're the ones having her doing pictures in front of our taxis. Why is she taking pictures in front of our taxis? And he goes, well, what does it matter? Well, he's looking at her legs. Isn't that sweet? I was looking at her legs. It's not my fault. So they're really yelling. They're
1: (laughs) Your legs cause the three car (laughs) pileups.
0: The guy goes, well, dude. But he said other words. Mm -hmm. Just do your job and pay attention, okay? So then the third taxi driver gets out of his car. And now... The second taxi driver now starts blaming him. He goes, "It's him. It was his fault. He ran into me and then I ran into you." And the third taxi driver goes, "Stop yelling at me. I don't even know. I think it's the photographer's fault." And they're in their accent, you know. Cuz he
1: goes, "How New York is that?"
0: <laughs> he goes, "It's not my fault. I'm looking at her legs. I don't know why she's having pictures in front of our taxis anyway." So they're all yelling, they're fighting as if I'm not there. One of them yelling at the photographer. And then they get in their car and they they all just get in and drive away. And I just wanted to thank them because it was such a kindness. It really lifted me, even though they were arguing and they were mad at me.
1: And you caused the disaster. of It, a pile was, up. Lovely <laughs> it just, was lovely
0: because <laughs> just just like a week ago, I was questioning, like, oh, "Geez, what do I have to do with these things? I got to do something with my legs," you know, and and. That was just I I just feel like that was a kindness. I just wanted to thank them.
1: You'll always have those athletic legs that Olympic <laughs> level of athleticism to your legs seriously. Like I still I haven't cycled hardcore in years and you you always have that definition. Thank you. And obviously, you know, yours are more feminine.
0: Well, thank you.
1: <laughs> than mine, yeah. But uh yeah. I mean, how New York is that picture right there? You've got probably a cab driver from Bangladesh, another one from the Congo, and another one from maybe, who the hell knows? India. India.
0: And they're yelling.
1: A Croatian photographer (laughs) and a Filipino chick (laughs) from Utah.
0: And then people are just walking, you know, and they're laughing Mm -hmm. because they see these three fighting and one of the passerby guys goes, what are they fighting over and the other guy who's with him is laughing goes I think it's her legs (laughs) it was hilarious
1: and you wonder why I love this
0: oh it was so fabulous and then I see the one guy look at my legs sort of gave the look of what (laughs) what are they fighting over that for and it was just so
1: beautiful I was gone for two minutes
0: Mm -hmm. mm-hmm It was lovely. It was one more experience out in New York.
1: Last time I left you unsupervised for a half hour, you almost broke two elevators.
0: I know. Oh, gosh. Gosh. I
1: can't believe they let us back in that hotel.
0: I know. it. It is so incredible. All the things. And tomorrow, um, I think I'm going to be let loose tomorrow.
1: Mm, No. I'll alert uh, the police. I'll alert uh, the Red Cross. Mm Mm-hmm and all the proper authorities whoever
0: whoever yeah. needs to we'll be we'll all order. be on call yes yeah. <laughs>
1: i've got i've got uh, i've got bail money in the till okay okay
0: but you know i was already put in jail um in mexico in a 10 what? by 10 cell all men but me
1: no. <laughs> <laughs> i did not know that
0: that's a bad bad day bad day
1: do we even have time for that? no we don't because it's show. a different
0: show You'll just have to remind me, but
1: oh, I've I'll been, remind you. Trust me,
0: I've been in a jail.
1: The minute we get off Mexico. the air, I'm going to grill you on this story. Ten
0: by ten, only me, only female in that, standing at the bars like this. Like th- I, I have myself in a problem. Mm-hmm.
1: Stay tuned, folks. Mm-hmm. Today you have mm-hmm. a um, an interesting topic, mm-hmm. uh, and we've got an email akin <clears throat> to this, but we kind of you know narrowed it down, and we just kind of. Um Boiled it down to an amalgam, and we just basically it, this is just me just trying to make time here run radio. and video, of course. Um, I was trying to make it all creative and just kind of land that plane and I just I was doing a pretty lousy job, just like the way mm-hmm. you came in. Just mm-hmm. I'm skidding into this yeah, one. Yeah, that's okay. Finding your value.
0: Mm-hmm, but it was an email.
1: It, yeah, well, there were a couple of email.
0: Yeah, and they. I think it was headed towards... They didn't say find your value, but they were
1: asking about... They were asking about value, yeah. Yeah, so,
0: life, and how do you find yourself, and right. how do you find your meaning. And
1: Thank you. I got a little discombobulated there. Yeah, so it really comes
0: down to how do you find your value, right? right? Okay, so I have a story. I, you know,
1: it was the Mexico story that got me all screwed up. I was fine until you mentioned the Mexican jail, and then I just got all... Uh, Sorts. yeah exactly
0: okay it's, okay well, just remind me i'll tell you that story
1: okay yeah okay. Uh, oh <laughs> trust me you're not leaving new york till i find out what happened <laughs> okay. but uh finding your value you uh, several of you went in yes and we tapered it for you and we packaged it into this neat little show go okay
0: so this is another dad story okay so one day uh, this is when I was in middle school. I was training again for the Olympics and uh, for the Olympics and soccer and gymnastics at the same time. It was the time of my life when my body. Can I
1: can I just interject here? Yeah. How do you physically train for two sports mm. at the Olympic level? How does that even happen? I mean, is that normal?
0: I don't know if it's normal, but I did it. So I would get I'm up sorry, and yeah. I would go train in the morning before school. So I would be to training at like four thirty, five in the morning i train, I would leave so I could be to school by 8 in the morning, then I'd go to school, then I would go back and I'd train for a couple more hours, and then I would leave there and go to soccer practice.
1: Okay, didn't mean to uh, divert there, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah. Okay, That's so how you do it. At this point, you've got a killer physique, you've got mm. more energy than, than anybody.
0: I love life. Right. You know, I'm just this. Gotcha. So I'm in middle school. And one day, the cheerleading coach walks up to me. She's like, you, you are meant to be a cheerleader. Here's all the information. This is when tryouts are. We need you. So my dad has always said, you can be and do anything you choose. You're going to bring home all the information. We're going to walk through it so you can figure out how to handle the good and the bad. And then you'll be on your way because he'd always say, I'm not going to bail you out. Okay. So I gather all the information I feel myself. I can see myself being this cheerleader with the little skirt, pom-poms, right. my abs, you know, my legs.
1: I didn't think you were going to say abs there.
0: <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> Yeah. Well and my done. tush. Right. Okay. So I take all of this stuff home. And I remember walking in the door, walking up the stairs, and there sits my dad with his glasses on and he's reading something. And I walk up, and I pull out the piano bench so I can lay everything out in front of him. And I'm like, Dad, I'm meant to be a cheerleader. I am meant to be a cheerleader. I know it. My dad looks down. He's pushing through the papers. He looks up, and he goes, DJ, this is the one time I'm going to tell you, no, you can't be a cheerleader. What?
1: Dad can't, said no?
0: <laughs> no. I can't be a cheerleader? Why? Why? He says to me, DJ, why would I put my daughter on the sideline of life when you don't know who you are, your talents, where you're going, your value, or what you're worth? He says, if I put you on the sideline of life to go cheer for all of these guys to play football, all these guys to play basketball, or whatever they're going to do, you're cheering these individuals on to be the best they can be, but you don't own anything. You don't even know who you are. So that means you're going to give yourself away. What you're really saying is, I don't know my value. I don't know what I'm really gifted at. I'm not really doing anything that gets me a scholarship, but I want you guys to be the very best you can be. He says, that's a, that's a downfall. He says, now, after the age of 18, if you choose to be a cheerleader, I will support you. He says, but I bet you will want to own the team that owns the cheerleaders. And he says, now, it's not necessarily about the cheerleading. It's about doing something that you don't own before you own something to give away. He says, you know, it's, it's learning to have value for yourself so that when you do cheer these guys on to be the best they can be, you're cheering them on. Without giving yourself away Because you own something But if you own nothing You're going to grow up to think You're not quite as good as they are You're not quite as valued You shouldn't be paid as much money He goes, I, I can't do that That's I'm not in the business of raising girls To believe that they're less than the guy out Playing on the football field And he says, so After the age of 18 You want to be a cheerleader? I'll support you. But you know what? After 18, he was absolutely right. I wanted to own the team that owns the cheerleaders. See, so that's no. it's an interesting thing because it's not necessarily, I know a lot of people are like, well, I'm gonna write into Ray now. <laughs> but it's not about cheerleading. It's not that's not the point. It's about the fact of you gotta own what you want to give. When you own it, you can give it. You don't own it, you don't give it. If you don't find your value, meaning what makes you tick, what makes you valuable, and you start showing value in everyone else before you know your own value, meaning doesn't mean don't support people, but it does mean you must figure out where your lane is, figure out what makes you amazing, figure out why why are you valuable other than the fact you're valuable just because you're a human being right but and
1: dad was and dad was certainly um assessing things you know case at a time Mm -hmm. and this is the one time you felt he said no and it had to be jarring like really yeah
0: i was mad about that for Mm -hmm. years really no Mm -hmm. because i thought i was meant to be a cheerleader but he's absolutely right once i hit my 20s I didn't want to hold the pom-poms, I didn't want to be the one pom-pom, holding the pom-poms for the guys on the field or the court. If anyone should be holding (laughs) pom-poms, they should be holding pom-poms for me, you know, while I'm doing my thing, is what I realized. And, And so, I don't want people thinking this is about cheerleading or not cheerleading. That's not what the story is about. The story is about the fact that my dad was making a point that I was wanting to give something I didn't own and I didn't own my own value. So he was trying to help me learn to figure out what my value was first, where um, my talents, uh, where they were, what lied within me and to figure out um, what made me tick, What, what makes you you. Start practicing, start becoming it and then if you still want to, you know, if you still want to cheerleader, you can. But also now, you know, when I do give a rah-rah or a cheerlead something for someone, they know I mean it because I own it. I own that, whatever that is. So now I can give you all the support you could ever want because I own it.
1: You do own it. Mm-hmm. I was given that same type of um, not just guidance, but encouragement from my mom Mm -hmm. my dad was the one who kept me on the straight and narrow right as far as discipline as far as accountability as far as being a responsible young man and i think you know he's the reason i grew up into you know the closest thing to a man you're gonna get
0: yeah but you're um, a perfect man i mean you have your man stuff
1: my man stuff
0: but you are you're a very good man
1: I do try. But mom was the creative force. She's the one who, like I said, recognized. I talked about my piano lessons and things like that. She's the one who said, you know, find your treasure Mm -hmm. and pursue it and absolutely own it. Knock it out of the park and be the best at what you do. Right. And don't rest until you are the best at what you do. Yeah. She's the one who realized. Mm, That's beautiful. You're going to be in music. You're going to have a career in music. You love to do it you never work a day in your life
0: mm-hmm.
1: doing what you love. And if you go to work every day and you love your job, how many people out there love their jobs? Yeah. I mean, not what's a the percentage?
0: There's not 10-15% if,
1: if we're being if we're generous. Mhm. I love everything I do. Mhm. I mean, I've got my own little company mm-hmm. where, mm-hmm. you know, I've got some flexibility and I answer to people, of course. You know, when you're a boss, you answer to everybody. Sure. I've got my radio gig. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. And of course, everybody, you all yell at me all the time. <laughs> all the great shows. God bless you all. No, they're fantastic. It's a great family.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: My touring schedule, being what it is, yeah. you know, as much as I can go out and tour, I still love doing that. It's been 35 years <clears throat> since I did my first professional uh, performance and, prof- and first professional U.S. tour. Yeah. Full scale. Summer of 86. I was 15 so years old. Beautiful. And uh, I still love it today. Mm-hmm. So, my mom was right about that. Yes. And, um, you know, there you have, just like any other job, you know, you have days where, uh, you know, this is, it's a grind and, you know, the time off stage is a real hassle. Right. I had to deal with the business end of show business. You know, right. you were in show business. Oh, yeah. You know the politics involved and everything else. I do. It's, um, but I mean, all, all in all, you're doing what you love and you're doing something that so many other people envy. No. Isn't it the best feeling in the world? You're on the soccer pitch. Mm-hmm. You're designing. You're doing something that people watch on TV, and they go, "Man, if I can only be that." Mm. And you are that.
0: I know it's so lovely.
1: And it's I'm ashamed to say there's <clears throat> times I take it for granted, and I mm-hmm. just you forget because it's what you do.
0: Right, right. And
1: here here's a great um, reference on that. My daughter, who's known me as dad her whole life, obviously, right. and I fill out a tax form as a musician. Mm. So, I bring it to this one date. She must have been six, seven years old. And uh, she's been on the road with me everywhere. She's great. Travels so well. She's backstage, and everybody's meet and greeting her and stuff. And, my God, I mean, you're getting so big. Mm. So, I'm playing uh, a performance arts center that holds a few thousand people. You know, and I was really excited about this show, for whatever reason. And I said, uh, are you ready to watch Dad play? She had a seat, you know, right up front, center. And she looks at me, she goes, yeah, but... What am I going to do To be entertained <laughs> And she was dead serious I just started laughing Because I'm thinking about it And it's like Yeah it's just Dad going to work for her Yeah, uh-huh. I've been doing this My whole life And she's just like oh, this is Okay how,
0: that's fine dad.
1: This is how dad gets paid And buys me clothes And stuff And uh-huh. you know Did she have her game with her She was worried about You know right. What she's going to be doing For that next 90 minutes Of her life yeah. While I'm up doing my job right. Punching a clock You know uh-huh. With a bass guitar in my hand
0: it's crazy. What am I gonna <clears throat> do to
1: be entertained? I mm-hmm. love kids.
0: I know it. <laughs> I don't paint anything pink.
1: Oh my god.
0: <clears throat> but I do have to say, so many people have asked, how do you find your value? Mm-hmm. How you find value is it's about feeling. And I know everyone's gonna get tired of hearing that it's always about feeling, but feelings are what connects us to a result. So when you think of something, because I've asked people so many times, what do you want to do? I don't know. Well, when you sit back and you feel inspired about something, it doesn't matter. And it can't have anything to do with education, religion, or income, okay? Right. So when you sit back and you think about something and your shoulders go back, you kind of sit up, you get a little bit of a smile on your face. Ah, that thing, whatever that thing is, came directly from your life, God in the universe. It's what you and your God have already agreed upon that is going to make you tick, it's going to make you happy, it's going to make you fulfilled when you come to this earth.
1: That value is in your DNA.
0: Yes, so when you feel it, if you will step forward with faith, with gratitude, excitement for the journey, and the willingness to work hard, you will find That that thing will bloom and that thing blooms into many other things because those things are all attached to your God and they send you on a journey. That's how you figure out what your value is. It's by sitting back and feeling what makes you feel inspired, hopeful, and passionate. Then you can't become logical. You can't be a person that then starts thinking, well, that's just not logical. I could never do that. Mm, mm. It's not about what you think. It's about what you feel and what you and your life, God, and universe have already agreed upon. So if you're feeling it, it means you have the skill set. You have the wherewithal. You have the talent. You have the passion. You have what it takes to become it. Yeah, it's going to take some work. But it's right there. That's how you find your value.
1: So I'm wondering, because, you know, Not many people realize it or know it until I talk about it like on the radio when I'm usually guesting on someone else's show, but I'm a second generation performer. My dad had a short career as as a vocalist before he went into the workforce. It was more of a hobby for those guys, but they were really good and they played a lot of parties and I'm sure they got their share of paid gigs or whatever. Right. And, uh, you know, a lot of times they would assemble in Brooklyn on street corners. Okay. Underneath the place with an echo, be it a tunnel or an overpass or any place where they could get good reverb. You know? yeah. Hard You know, with the hard tile floors and subways were the best. Mm-hmm. For obvious reasons, you know. Right. But um, he didn't really pursue it. So by the time I came along, he already had his desk job and he was, you know, in right. that life. But I wonder how second generation performers or athletes of people Mm -hmm. who did you know go into those things like um ken griffey senior ken griffey jr right um i always wonder if it was something that that son or daughter might have taken for granted Mm -hmm. did they just realize Mm -hmm. i'm just i'm an heir apparent do they resent the fact that they maybe had to go into a certain line of work i guess it it will are you
0: saying that um did those children who went into, let's say, because I hear a lot about quarterbacks that have sons who are quarterbacks
1: mm-hmm. who have sons who are quarterbacks. Phil Sims had three, I believe. Yeah. So
0: you're saying, did those um, generations after the original quarterback feel stuck? Like, geez, I got to be a quarterback.
1: Well, I wonder if they figured, well, I guess this is my value because obviously I can throw a football like my dad can. But I wonder, like you know, if they just decided, hey, this is a great in or yeah, I want to be a quarterback like my dad, or I feel the pressure now to be a quarterback like my dad. Right. And I I guess it really spans, you know, Mm -hmm. the entire spectrum. But it just fascinates me to think about that.
0: Yeah, I really think it comes down to, because, okay, for example, one of these older artists, I don't know if he was part of KISS, I think he actually was part of KISS, and his daughter, can't remember her name, it's irrelevant, wants to be this vocalist okay? And um, she chooses to, quote unquote, do it on her own. She wants to do it on her own, so she doesn't want help trying to get on The Voice or whatever, you know, American Idol, blah, blah, blah. So I think that as I heard this story, I think she was searching for her value because in some ways, I wanted to go and have a little mom-daughter talk because when the gift of opportunity is given to you, meaning he could have gotten her into anything. He could have gotten her a label, and she's denying it. She doesn't want him to do that for her.
1: She wants to see if she can make it on her own.
0: Yes, but what I would like to say to her, thank you, is that gifts come in many different packages, right? Some are going to come pink. Some are going to be purple. And if we all... Push away that gift because it didn't come in the right colored wrapping paper. We're going to lose out on a lot of things because I've always believed that I don't really care why you hire me. I don't mm-hmm. care. You feel bad for me. You need an Asian girl, whatever. Yeah. You hire me because I'm going to prove to you that was the best gig you've or best choice you've ever made, right? right. So, though she's looking for her value, if she would have taken the opportunity to allow her dad, to help her get into the recording studio, to right. get an album made. Now, yeah, she got some help, but what a gift. And then she can go prove herself, because she's going to have to prove herself. Anyway, yeah. Yeah, she has to prove There'll herself. there
1: more pressure on her.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it, she got herself there because she accepted some help, but she then could have seen how her value of hard work, her value of digging her heels in to make herself proud and to show her dad that she could do it. My point is, is that... Value, accomplishing things, they don't always have to be um, treacherous. Right. You know, it doesn't have to be something difficult to do. It can be something where you do have to work hard, but if someone's going to offer you a gift for you to test out the waters to see where your value lies, meaning not a value as a person. We're all valuable as human beings, but value so you know where your talents are, that you may want to accept that. Opportunity—it's a gift.
1: Well, you know, um, Ricky Nelson, the teen idol, he -hmm. was already second generation because Mm -hmm. he was the kid on Ozzy and Harriet. Mm -hmm. Ozzy and Harriet, you know, started the uh, Nelson—I guess it would be the clan or the. Yep. Uh
0: Okay, I'm ready. Go ahead.
1: Or the uh, the Nelson Empire, I guess you'd call it. Mm -hmm. Ricky Nelson, of course, had twin boys, Matthew and Gunnar, and they wanted to be entertainers okay they have other brothers and sisters but the twin boys uh they said the same thing let's let's see if we could do this on our own and they went out incognito and they didn't use the name nelson they were mm. somebody else mm. and they did for like five years mm-hmm. and then they realized man this is really tough yeah and at one point they were just like you know what oh by the way um our dad ricky nelson <laughs> your dad's ricky nelson why don't you say yeah, so I- <laughs>
0: Why didn't you say that five years yeah. ago?
1: And then like within the year, John Kallardner signed him to Geth, and then the rest is history, you know? Mm-hmm. And then they would, the, you know, find yeah. every, every girl's wall from here to Timbuktu. Yeah. But, uh, but
0: see, they were still even, because I see what the hiccup is, is that for them and probably this girl, they mm-hmm. didn't want to think their value was the value because their of course. parent sure. or father did it, right? They wanted to prove that they could do it on their own. But my point is this. You could get a little help. If the gift of giving you a little help will mm-hmm. help you, get yourself Though You're still going to have to prove You'll yourself. you still have to
1: prove yourself. It, like you said, it will probably end <clears throat> up being harder. So if you want a challenge, trust me, it'll be there. Yeah. My dad, again, we're talking about after the fact, when you went, went into the corporate workforce, <clears throat> uh, he got me my first desk job. <clears throat> and I wouldn't have gotten that job, I'm pretty sure, without a little bit of help. Sure. I knew a few people at that job. He was friends with outside of work,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and yeah, there was nepotism involved. Mm-hmm. And when I got in there, I, I realized it was just that. My dad came on; he came down on me much harder mm-hmm. than if I was just some Joe Schmo from from Brooklyn who just walked in. Right. Because now you have to make me look good and don't yeah. make me look bad. And yeah. If you're goofing off, you're going to hear about it from me, not even your supervisor. Right. And it was a lot of pressure because I was 18 years old. I, mean, I was a kid. I was a clown. <laughs> I'm sure you were. I was just happy to be. And I was making good money for my age. I was mm-hmm. making more money than some of the people working there oh, full time. Yeah. I was like a temporary clerk or something. And my hourly wage was better because I wasn't getting benefits. Right, right. I was going back to college. Mm-hmm. But man, oh, man, I took that for granted because when I had to actually pound payment for a job, I was like, wow, this is hard. Yeah. When someone's not handing you paperwork from HR. Yeah. So, yeah, I gleefully took the... Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't a handout. Like I said, it was harder work. Mm-hmm. They always say if you're in the family business, you know, your relatives will really abuse you like nobody else. Yeah,
0: who's going to go... Like we talked about in uh, one of our episodes about pushing the broom.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that dad that, would have that never had... Well, taskmaster with the broom. <laughs> because our parents are hard on us because they want the best out of us, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And let's face it, that's my boy, that's my girl. I want people to be proud of you. Yeah. And don't make me look bad. Don't make them look foolish for hiring you. Yeah. Because they're going to look at y- you.
0: They go, really?
1: Yeah, I mean, fair or not, inevitably they're going to look at the dad or mom and go, what happened? <laughs> the apple didn't fall, the apple fell far from the tree. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. This is not impressive.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but... Uh, you do have to find your own value, mm-hmm. no matter what.
0: And and so many people, it's just crazy to me how many people struggle to do that. Mm-hmm. And it is, and again, I know you get tired of hearing it, it's about how you feel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, you can't just talk about things. That's just empty words. You got to connect this feeling. And the feeling has to have some passion to it, some gratitude to it.
1: There's the Again. word, the G word.
0: Uh huh. Some inspiration to it. And then that feeling will attach itself to the things that equal it. Absolutely. And if you don't ever find, and I, I know people that are 40 and 50 years old that don't know their value, it uh, leaves you a little empty because everybody's valuable.
1: We are all valuable.
0: Mm-hmm. But in order to feel that value, There are certain things that your life, you know, from your life, God, and the universe have already had a discussion about. You've already agreed that this makes you you. And so when you get those ideas, I can't say it enough, something comes flowing to you, you get an idea. Those ideas are not just ideas. They are things when you, before you came to this earth, you and your God, whatever and whoever that is, had a sit down and your God said to you, This is what's going to make you tick this is what's going to make you amazing this is what's going to make you fulfilled so you can serve other people when you're on this earth when you feel these feelings you're going to think they're ideas they're not ideas they're contracts so i'm going to send you these things when you're ready and you're going to feel it and then you're going to sit up if you will just take a step forward not thinking what's logical but going with what you're inspired to do what you feel best about meaning I feel passionate. I feel inspired. And sometimes that's like putting the cart. It feels like putting the cart before the horse. But your God, whoever and whatever that is, does not work on the terms of what we do here logically on earth. They work on the terms of whatever they are. So as soon as you feel inspired, stand up. Whatever you feel inspired to do, go do. Don't think about it. Don't question. Just do. Do with faith. Do with And excitement for the journey and do with a love for your life and your value and you will find your life will bloom more often. You will find you will accomplish a little bit smoother and you will find that you will get and receive more things that you want in your life simply because you are heading down a road that is your value. It is who you are. You are doing the things that your God Want you to do in your life And you're going to find You'll feel happy And joyful
1: Value 101 If you can believe it We're here again We did it Mm -hmm. Knocked out 30 plus (gasps) Really? Yeah Who knew value Had so much value No Well as always Thank you Thank you Thank you Sid Thank you listeners
0: Yes thank you Bring your friends
1: That's right Tell your friends about us
0: Oh yes Tell your friends I would like to cough (laughs) more people
1: <laughs> is that what good is that how we're going to get a? Uh, mm-hmm.
0: I don't the, uh, need to cough though
1: you don't need to cough Mm-mm. now i don't want you to cough. i don't You're need not gonna to cough, cough
0: and we're almost done
1: we're coughing for value here and there's uh, <laughs> no coughing
0: yeah we just appreciate everyone we really do
1: we do as always the reminder dare to be better
0: with ray and sid see you next time bye
1: Hey, thanks for checking us out. If you enjoyed the show, subscribe to this channel and please tell your friends. We'd also love it if you headed over to daretobebettershow.com for tons of cool photos, extras, and a chance to shop for some sweet show swag. <laughs> say that five times fast. I could barely say it once. If you keep coming, we'll keep delivering. Thanks again.